In the crisp November nights of 1978, a quiet Midwestern town lay in the sinister grip of fear. Indianapolis, a place where families gathered for hearty meals and laughter, found its tranquility shattered by a series of events that would forever stain its history. It all takes place in a burger restaurant. On that night, the air was heavy with the aroma of fried food and anticipation as the employees of a local burger chef restaurant prepared for the routine closing on that fateful evening. Unbeknownst to them, darkness loomed just beyond the fluorescent lights and cheerful chatter of the dining area. Four young employees, brimming with dreams and aspirations, found themselves entangled in a nightmare that would haunt the town for decades. The ensuing events sent shockwaves through Indianapolis, leaving the community paralyzed with fear and suspicion. The story that emerged from the depths of that November night would serve as a chilling reminder that evil could lurk in the most unexpected of places, even behind the familiar counters of a fast food restaurant. This is the story of the Burger Chef murders. Burger Chef, once a major contender against McDonald's and Wendy's in the United States, boasted a sprawling fast food empire with over 600 outlets nationwide. However, in the late 1980s, Hardee's acquired the chain and would mismanage it significantly. The final Burger Chef establishment closed its doors in the 1990s. If you're familiar with Speedway, Indiana, it's likely due to your knowledge of the iconic Indianapolis Motor Speedway, renowned as the venue for the Indy 500 race. Surprisingly, very few people realize that Speedway is an independent town. Established in the 1920s to support the burgeoning automotive industry, Speedway seamlessly blends into the urban landscape of Indianapolis. It is located just west of downtown, and it is surrounded by Indianapolis. The town operates its own police force, post office, and public school system. The small town started out as a safe and quiet area for its residents. Up until 1978, Speedway was regarded as a tranquil community. But then, a series of violent incidents thrust the town into the national spotlight. On July 29, 1978, the shocking murder of 65-year-old Julia Cyphers inside her own garage began to put residents in a state of unease. The members of the community were scared by the seemingly random nature of the crime, but the town would see more tragedy. Between September 1st and September 6th, a wave of eight bombings struck the town. The explosive devices were planted in various locations, including trash cans, beneath a police patrol car, at the town's bowling alley, and, chillingly, in the parking lot of the local high school. The final bombing caused a Vietnam veteran to lose his leg. As November rolled around, these crimes remained unsolved. Public trust in law enforcement was beginning to waver. And then came the Burger Chef murders. On the night of Friday, November 17th, Excitement filled the air as people prepared for the upcoming weekend. The Speedway Burger Chef 
was bustling with customers before closing its doors at 11 p.m. That night, four part-time employees were wrapping up their shifts. No one had any idea that a brutal killer would be entering the store during its final hour. Among the employees was Jane Fright, the assistant manager and a 20-year-old college student. Jane was an academic scholar who held an impressive resume of extracurricular activities. She was remembered for her radiant smile and positive attitude. Jane had been a part of the Burger Chef team since she was just 17 years old. A recent addition to the team was Daniel Davis, a 16-year-old high school junior. Davis had taken over the Friday night closing shift after another employee quit a week earlier. Davis was known as the funny one of the group. In his free time, he delved into photography, capturing moments and developing film in his homemade darkroom. Working the Burger Chef Grill that night was 16-year-old Mark Flemons, a sophomore attending Speedway High School. Mark was raised as a Jehovah's Witness and was known for his kind and friendly demeanor. With six older siblings, he was part of a tight-knit family. Completing the Burger Chef team was Ruth Ellen Shelton, a cherished child in her parents' eyes. Gifted and ambitious, the honor student aspired to become a computer scientist. Ruth was deeply involved in various youth ministries at the Westside Church of the Nazarene. Additionally, she pursued music studies at what is now the University of Indianapolis. These four youngsters, brimming with promise, passion, and potential, diligently carried out their nightly closing tasks. This included closing registers, tallying cash, cleaning cookware, and scrubbing the floors. For them, this was just a usual night at work. However, something tragically occurred sometime before midnight. The four workers were plunged into a mystery that would captivate the entire town, changing the lives of their families and sending the community into a panic. Brian Crane, a teen who also worked at the Burger Chef, went to visit his friends while they were closing up for the night. When he arrived shortly after midnight, he discovered the back door slightly ajar and the restaurant completely empty. Determined to see his friends, he ventured throughout the rest of the building. Inside the office, Brian found the safe wide open. It previously held over $500 in cash and other valuables, but it was now completely empty. Strangely, over $100 in register change was left untouched. Lastly, Jane's 1974 Chevrolet Vega was missing from the parking lot. Brian was growing increasingly concerned as he was unsure what to make of the situation. In the back of his mind, though, he was beginning to assume the worst. He made calls in an attempt to locate Jane, who was the assistant manager responsible for the shift. He reached out to another Burger Chef branch where Jane had previously worked, but the manager there hadn't heard from her either. Brian then decided to inform the head manager of the Speedway Burger Chef about the bizarre scene he had stumbled upon. In response, the manager told Brian to contact the police, which he immediately did. The Speedway police arrived on the scene shortly after Brian's call. To his surprise, 
the officers appeared relatively unconcerned about the scene inside the restaurant that night. While it raised eyebrows that the back door was left open and Ruth and Jane had abandoned their purses, the responding officers believed that it was a case of teenage recklessness. They were fairly certain that the four teenagers had taken the restaurant's cash from the safe and used it for a fun night out. They even went as far as telling the families that their children would be back after they were finished partying. In just a couple of days, the police would learn just how wrong they were. Since the police seemed to be handling the case, Burger Chef proceeded with business as usual. The following morning, a new shift of employees arrived and meticulously cleaned the restaurant. This cleaning would destroy any chance of preserving evidence from the scene. The crime scene was now scrubbed and sanitized without any photographic documentation. This oversight would prove to be a grave mistake, one that would haunt the investigation and trouble the Speedway police for the next four decades. While the police were complacent with their beliefs, a startling discovery would force them to change their point of view. In the early hours of November 18th, Jane Fright's missing car was discovered. Jane owned a 1974 white Chevy Vega, a compact and stylish two-door sedan. Police found the vehicle unlocked and deserted in the heart of town. This discovery shattered the illusions, making it evident to everyone that the Burger Chef employees were not out on a joyous night of partying. These four young men and women had been abducted and were now missing. In response, the police launched an intensive search operation. They would get results the very next day. On the morning of Sunday, November 19th, a call reached the police from a rural area in Johnson County an area that is approximately 20 miles south of Speedway. Two individuals walking on their property had stumbled upon several lifeless bodies, sprawled face down in the leaves and dirt. When the investigators arrived, they made a discovery that would shock the entire town. Ruth Shelton and Daniel Davis were found side by side, brutally executed with multiple 38 caliber gunshot wounds to their heads. A few yards away, Jane Freight's lifeless body was found with a hunting knife's broken blade protruding from her sternum. Further down the hill, Mark Flemons was discovered. He was the victim of a savage beating. One would think that the Speedway police took an entirely new approach with this case after their blunder was exposed. However, things would only get worse. Author Julie Young wrote the 2019 book titled The Burger Chef Murders in Indiana, where she recounted the mistakes of the police's investigation. An excerpt says, as various departments converged on the site, some drove through areas that should have been sealed off. There were rumors that one of the bodies was moved before the coroner or evidence technician arrived at the scene. It was even reported that one of the officers at the scene accidentally took home a piece of evidence. It wasn't until weeks later that he realized he had one of the pieces of identification found at the crime scene. Within days, the Indiana State Police, the Marion County Sheriff's Department, the Indianapolis Police, and the FBI descended upon Speedway to assist the local police. But their presence could not rewind time. Because of the initial actions by the Speedway Police, 
The crime scene's integrity had been completely compromised, and the crucial first 48 hours of the investigation had long since slipped away. With very few leads to follow, the investigators focused on the money missing from the safe. Perhaps the murders were the result of a failed robbery attempt. They theorized that the presence of an unexpected employee was the catalyst for things going wrong. Mark Flemons hadn't been originally scheduled for the Friday night closing shift. He was actually covering for another worker. What if the robbers were locals of the area and Mark recognized them? This would lead the perpetrators to kill all of them in an attempt to eliminate witnesses. But that theory had nothing but holes in it. The victims remained fully clothed in their distinctive brown and orange Burger Chef uniforms. Some even had cash in their pockets, along with personal items like jewelry and watches still on them. Despite the police's inclination to consider robbery as the motive, it was hard to justify this theory due to the valuables left untouched. Moreover, it was difficult to fathom that such brutality had occurred over such a small amount of money. However, history had shown that people had been murdered for far less. Fortunately for detectives, a witness would come forward. On Saturday, November 18th, a 16-year-old boy contacted Speedway Police, informing them that he had observed two men lingering around the Burger Chef restaurant the previous night. According to the teenager, the men, both in their 30s and of Caucasian ethnicity, approached him and his girlfriend while they were sitting in the parking lot. The men instructed them to leave, warning them of the increased crime in the area. One of the men had a beard, while the other was blonde and clean-shaven. The witness told the investigators that the bearded man did the talking and covered his mouth with a handkerchief while he was speaking. Based on the descriptions provided by the witnesses, the police took an unusual step. They hired forensic artists to craft full-sized clay busts of the suspects based on the witness description. The police then made appeals to the community, urging anyone with tips or information related to the case to come forward. Burgerchef Systems Company offered a $25,000 cash reward for information leading to an arrest. An anonymous donation of $10,000 was also contributed. Additionally, Steak and Shake contributed several thousand dollars to the reward fund. Despite these substantial incentives, no one with reliable information came forward. It would instead be the initial composite drawings and clay busts that brought in leads for the police. It was reported that a man resembling one of the sketches was overheard bragging about committing the murders in a Greenwood bar just south of Indianapolis. A concerned citizen contacted the police, prompting Detective Virgil Vandegriff to go undercover at the bar to observe the man. Vandegriff engaged in a game of pool with the suspect, during which the man openly boasted about robbing and killing the burger chef workers. Vandegriff recounted that the man even dramatically snapped his pool cue over his knee, illustrating how he had ended one of the young lives that tragic November night. Soon after this encounter, the police arrested the man and brought him in for questioning. Once in police custody, the suspect vehemently denied any involvement. 
Investigators administered a polygraph test, which he reportedly passed. Polygraphs were considered definitive evidence and not dismissed as pseudoscience. So the police released the man. Before departing, he allegedly provided the police with the names of a few individuals involved in a fast food robbery gang. Acting on this information, the police located a suspect with a beard in the nearby town of Franklin. The individual, whose name was not disclosed in publicly released documents, bore a resemblance to the composite drawing and lacked an alibi for the night of the murders. Additionally, his neighbor matched the description of the clean-shaven man in the second composite sketch. When the police asked the bearded suspect to participate in a lineup, he arrived having shaved his beard for the first time in five years. Despite attempts to negotiate plea deals with both suspects, they remained silent. With no concrete evidence, the police were compelled to close the investigation. Another police hypothesis revolved around the notion that one or more employees might have been involved in drug activities. This suspicion gained traction in March of 1981, when Jane Fried's brother James was apprehended on cocaine charges. For a brief period, law enforcement considered the possibility that he might have been linked, either directly or indirectly, to the violence that occurred on that night in 1978. However, within six days, he was released due to a lack of evidence. The drug theory gained further credibility a few years later, when the police encountered their most viable suspect yet. In November of 1984, exactly six years after the Burger Chef murders, Speedway investigators received a call from Pendleton Correctional Facility. Donald Wayne Forrester, a 34-year-old sex offender serving a 95-year prison sentence, had vital information to share. He wanted to confess to the Burger Chef murders. Approaching the conversation with Forrester with a healthy dose of skepticism, the police suspected he might be attempting to manipulate information about the Burger Chef case to secure a prison transfer and avoid a harsher environment in Indiana State Prison. While their initial assumptions seemed accurate, the more they conversed with him, the more they started to realize that his story might not be fabricated after all. On November 17, 1978, Donald Forrester resided in Speedway, but had grown up in the vicinity where the four bodies were discovered. This fact caught the attention of detectives who'd been struggling for leads for six years. This detail was compelling enough for detectives to bring Forrester to Marion County for direct questioning. During the interrogation, Forrester confessed to being the one who had used the 38 caliber pistol to kill Daniel Davis and Ruth Shelton. What made his confession even more compelling was when detectives took Forrester to the field where the bodies were found and he accurately identified the original positions of each body. Between 1984 and 1986, Forrester gradually divulged more information to investigators. He revealed that immediately after the murders, he and his wife drove to the field to collect the spent shell casings. Upon finding them, they returned home, and he flushed the casings down the toilet of their old house. 
Forrester's ex-wife corroborated his account, confirming the story. Subsequently, the police obtained a warrant to search the septic tank of the old address. After sifting through eight years of raw sewage, they discovered several 38 caliber shell casings, providing conclusive evidence. Forrester offered this version of events, of what happened the night of November 17, 1978. James Fright was entangled with dangerous drug dealers. That Friday night, Forrester and a group of dealers went to Burger Chef to intimidate Jane. When they threatened to harm her if her brother didn't pay up, Mark Fleming stepped forward to defend her. His bravery sparked a brawl. During the chaos, Mark fell, hitting his head and losing consciousness. The intruders believed he was dead. Fearing the repercussions of murder, the drug dealers decided to eliminate all witnesses. They forced all four Burger Chef employees into Jane's car, drove to the town center, ditched the Chevy Vega, and escaped in their getaway vehicle. They then took the kids to the woods and callously executed all of them. This confession appeared damning, and the police were confident they had their man. Forrester even provided names of three other individuals involved. But there would be yet another massive blunder by the police. In November of 1986, someone within the department leaked information about Forrester's cooperation to the press. Fearing for his reputation, he immediately stopped cooperating and withdrew all of his statements. He then accused the police of threatening him into confessing. Without his assistance, authorities couldn't find additional physical evidence to build a case against him and his accomplices. The most promising lead the police had in years had fallen apart right before their eyes. Forrester passed away from cancer in prison in 2006, taking whatever else he knew about the case to his grave. For families of the victims in unsolved cases, the most excruciating aspect is the absence of closure. Considering the botched initial investigation and the dearth of evidence collected from the crime scenes, it appears that this case might remain forever unresolved.